Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. All right, welcome back to the Ohioan, and it's always fun to have Megan Henry. I was talking to Danny King about this the other day, and you guys are probably, this is what, your third or fourth time? You're like four-timers. Something like uh, that. I'm basically yeah. a pro. Right. Well, I, I kind of think back to like the old Silent Lives, where they had like the five-timers club, and <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't have the, we're in COVID, so I can't bring you to a room and have somebody put a big code on the air, how they do on SNL, but no, but thank you for coming back. We always love having you on. And we, we, we've got an announcement to make. If you aren't reading the dispatch on a regular basis, and shame on you if you're not, uh, all kinds of great ways of subscribing to the Combs Dispatch. But uh, Megan is covering something different now. So in case people aren't following, what are you covering now at the dispatch? Yes, thanks, Chris. Thanks, as always, for having me on the show. It's always a pleasure. Um, but I recently started covering K-12 through education at the Columbus cool. Dispatch with my colleague, uh, Alyssa Wyndham-Niece. Uh, so we're both are going to cover education topics moving forward. Excellent. And what do you think about that? I mean, obviously, it's not – I'm sure you weren't like, oh, enough of healthcare. I don't like that anymore. Uh, a lot of times we switch beats with the papers just to reflect what we feel the audience wants. And there, there's a lot of things that go into it. It's, it's nothing – bad about Megan and healthcare or anything else like that. But well, what were your thoughts about changing the beat? Uh, I'm sure it's got to be exciting in some ways. Yeah, definitely. I was very excited to, to switch. I really enjoyed covering healthcare and that with COVID, uh, nonetheless, there was so much always to do. I never thought I'd cover a, a pandemic back when I was in journalism school at Ohio University. I never yeah. thought I would be recovering this huge story. Um, but no, we said some changes at the paper. A lot of people just kind of had a little bit of a shakeup and switched some people around us with some retirements um, yeah. and stuff. And so um, I'm one of the new education reporters. And then one of my colleagues, um, Sheridan Hendricks, she also started covering higher education as well. Um, and so there's a, a couple of new uh, education reporters at the paper. But Alyssa uh, has, uh, is staying on her beat as well. So she's kind of the old, the old pro. Definitely. And a lot of changes at the dispatch lately, but they're all good. Uh, yes. Sometimes we get these changes that we're like, oh, man, how can we ever put out a paper or how can we keep up the website? But I'm excited. I, I sat in on you guys had a staff meeting, I believe it was last week. Um, you've got a new sports editor coming in, you know, got a new opinion page person. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it's going to be tough to see these people go. Uh, the people have left uh, some retirements, uh, some have just left the paper, and they've been around for a long time. I think about the great Randy Ludlow. Jeez, Randy's oh, been around forever. But, you know, it's good to see the people coming in. Uh, the quality is still the same. And, again, support local journalism. We're biased. We work there. It would help us out if you support local journalism. But why wouldn't you? There's a lot of great ways of uh, supporting all over the dispatch website. So it's very, very good. Well, let's talk about one of the stories that you, you guys did. And, you know, we'll have to have Alyssa come on with you in the future, you know, because you guys do a lot of joint stories mm -hmm. here. 
But um, you're talking about how uh, Columbus suburbs are playing for more in-person school. Uh, obviously, going back a year ago, and man, it's been a year since COVID first started, which is crazy. Um, you know, for a long time, nobody could go to school. I mean, there was a lot of restrictions in place. But, you know, COVID's still serious. we got to still be careful out there. But with some of the cases going down as of late, and usually in, it's getting warmer, which means, generally speaking, it's better, uh, we're allowing people to go back to school. So what did you guys find out about that? Yeah, definitely. And so a lot of the Columbus suburbs have been in a, a hybrid model um, throughout this year. Most of them started um, in a remote learning with the start of the school year in the fall, but then switched to a hybrid throughout the year. And they've kind of gone back and forth. But yes, yeah, so with the uh, declining COVID cases uh, that we've seen the past uh, couple of weeks, um, month even really, and then with teachers and school staff being vaccinated or starting to get the vaccine, uh, they've just, just had this more of a push for in-person school um, at going back full time. And so, and there also been some studies that came out um, just showing the ideal distancing between desks and students in school instead of. Um, requiring six feet, um, that's still the gold standard, but making a minimum of three feet, three feet uh, acceptable. Um, and that was from the American Academy of Pediatrics. Um, and so that just makes it a little easier for schools to uh, accommodate uh, more students in the classroom. Um, so that was kind of the push. That's kind of the push to bring students back uh, full time into the classroom. Yeah, I have to connect you with offline with my wife's school. Since you're not in the education bee, I mean, your your contacts are changing. But my wife has a uh, she teaches a special education school, kind of like the border of Columbus and Worthington. Okay. And it's interesting because of special education, they decided to be in person all year. Hmm. Uh, not they weren't really thumbing their nose at COVID. It's just special ed kids. It's hard to do online, so they made that tough decision to do that. And they've been pretty fortunate. A couple cases. Thankfully, nothing bad, and it turned out to be more of a sickness. But I don't know. As a parent of kids in the school and as a husband of a wife at the school, it, it definitely makes you nervous. So do you think these – I mean, obviously, we can't guarantee there will be no COVID cases in Columbus. Does it sound like this will help at least minimize it, I guess? Yeah, a lot of studies have shown uh, throughout the course of the school year that schools haven't really been uh, super spreaders. So they've been yeah. lots of studies about this and that they really haven't, they really haven't noticed this, a huge spike in COVID cases in schools. Uh, and so of course they're going to monitor that closely, especially as more students go back in person, but they're also really focusing on the community spread of COVID and just seeing, um, you know, if there's a lot of COVID in the community, then maybe we'll uh, switch things up, maybe do more of a hybrid model for a week and just be kind of flexible, flexible with that. But I will say a common thing I heard as I went about reporting the story with Alyssa, was that lunchtime is a concern that people have mm. because students are taking their masks off to eat. Yeah. Um, so that six feet distance is going to be really, really important um, to keep in mind for lunchtime. Well, and I have a 14 living with us now that he special needs. He doesn't, he's not used to wearing a mask and it's partly because of his autism. And, you know, we live with it and everything, but that's kind of restricted what we can do and go to. So, yeah, I imagine with some of those exceptions, I'm sure out there, that makes it even tougher, too. When, yeah, the kids mask up, but sometimes some of these kids aren't even masked, unfortunately. Right. Yeah, no, that's definitely um, something as well that people have to just kind of work around and be creative in their solutions. Now, I know um, Governor DeWine, it was fun listening to all of our state uh, house reporters bemoan the fact that we had a 6.15 press conference on Friday, 
And they talk about education. We're like, oh, my goodness, the school's closing. What's happening? And it turned out that DeWine was upset with some of the school districts that weren't opening by March 1st. Um, I think they were talking because the first schools to get the vaccines were more of the big schools like Columbus and Cincinnati mm-hmm. and Cleveland. So he wasn't necessarily referring to the suburban schools that you were talking about. But did the schedule seem okay? Like you were talking about some schools were opening like the first of March. Some schools may wait till the end of the March. Does that seem to go well with what the state wants? Yeah. So the state with the vaccines, um, the stipulation really was that um, teachers and school staff uh, would be in person to an extent. So they could be in a hybrid model by March 1st. As long as they were in a hybrid model by March 1st, they were following the governor's guidelines when it comes to the vaccine. They they don't have to necessarily be all in person by March 1st. Um, But some districts uh, have made that their goal. Um, Let me see, let me pull it up. Which districts are planning to go back in person when? So yeah, so March 1st, which is today, Upper Arlington plans to go back starting today, going back all in person, March 8th for Westerville, March 15th for Dublin, Hilliard, and only Tangy, and March 23rd for Bexley. So a variety of dates throughout this month. And then, of course, there's spring break as well in March, uh, which varies for each district. Um, so it's really just kind of this last uh, stretch of the school year that they're hoping to get in yeah. person. And you're still expecting the close regular time. Like, I'm presuming the school year ends in June. So are they still supposed to get out in June, assuming there's nothing real bad happen? As far as I know, yes, that they, they plan on uh, ending the school year at the same the same time. Okay. As far as I know, that's always yeah. subject to change. Yeah, and again, we're thankful that COVID is easing. And again, underline easing. Don't listen to this and say, COVID's gone, let's go party. No, it's not that. But I, I think that some of these restrictions are easing because the case numbers are getting a little bit lower. Now, again, bit lower. <laughs> We're underlining that. We won't be the spark of uh, a big outbreak because obviously COVID's still serious. It's just trying to say what's risks that are acceptable. And like you were saying, it sounds like the schools feel a little bit better about managing the risks than they would have a year ago. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah. And um, students learn better when they're in school. They don't like learning over a screen. So I talked to someone of my children's and she was saying how it's really important for children to be in person in school, not only for their learning, but also just for the social aspect of just interacting with other students um, and just being with their their peers. How big of a thing, um, you know, DeWine was talking a little bit last week about, you know, starting to think about, you know, there's always, um, you know, recommendations and orders on activities and everything. Are some of the high schools concerned about like graduation or proms or stuff like that? I know that's been a big topic of discussion. Um, it's funny you mentioned that. I want to I wanna do a story at some point just about uh, proms, which are coming up here in a bit, uh, and also looking right. at graduation. So I'm not really sure um, how those are going to look. Either of those events are going to look, but those are obviously huge milestones for, for students. Oh, I hate to make a weird dad joke, but you, know, you talk about social distancing. When you become a dad, you want your kids to be social distanced in the prom. But, you know, as kids, you know, you don't want to be six feet apart from your date, you know. So it's got to be, right. yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I don't know if they're testing each couple as they come in or how we're going to work out. But it'll, it'll be, yeah, that'll be a great story. I'll be looking forward to reading that. So um, you talked about, yeah, a big story you're working on with Alyssa. Um, what can you say about the story that's upcoming for you? Yes. So as we come upon this one year mark of COVID, I hate saying the word anniversary with COVID, but yeah, so I'm saying so, this right. one year mark of COVID, a bunch of people at the dispatch were doing a series of stories just about 
what the past year has been like with the pandemic as it relates to our areas of coverage of the paper. And so Alyssa and I are working on a story focusing on K through 12 schools and really mm-hmm. focusing on what it was like last March when Governor DeWine announced that all state, all schools were going to close in the state. At the time, that was the first state to make such an announcement. Um, yeah. And then every other every other state in the nation followed suit pretty quickly. Um, but it was pretty remarkable at the time. And so it's really taking the story is really taking you back to what that was like back in March for students, teachers, superintendents, parents, a variety of different perspectives um, and how it really affected them and what the last year has been like grappling with remote learning, going back to hybrid and in person and what that has been like. My department hasn't dealt directly. I mean, I'm anxious to read the series. It should be do online. It's going to be fascinating to read. How have they determined what the year mark is? Because I know it depends on who you ask. Is it that 12th at night where it seemed like, you know, everyone started getting COVID like the basketball player did and, and they, I think Trump that night had a press conference saying, hey, you know, you know, we got to make some changes. I mean, how are they marking when that one year date is? That's a really good question. I know it's been a, there's been, there been a lot of conversations about that very thing of kind of when to peg the one year. Right. So it seems like they're going to scatter uh, oh, the good. stories. And so they're going to um, not all come out the same day. Uh, of course, this is a little above my pay grade, but it sounds like they're going to kind of spread them out um, throughout a couple of weeks and try to like pin them. Good to um events that happened with the with the corresponding b and so i that's smart that's good I'm, yeah, yeah i'm not entirely sure when our story is gonna run but like mid-march it's around that march 12th i think one year mark um and then of course my my colleague sheridan with higher education is doing a story about um i think about like ohio state with them closing and what that was yeah. like so that probably be pinned to when they made that decision around their spring break well that's good not from a a editor sense where you're saying hey you want good stories in every day but also the fact of just that you know looking back a year ago everything was happening on different days like mm-hmm. th- there was that pop culture night i can't remember what, what night it was but like tom hanks got covid and a big basketball star got covid and you know the pop culture family i was watching like oh my goodness what's happening to the world i mean all these guys are getting covid and but then there was other days like you said like uh, you know the day ohio state announced are shutting down the day that the schools were shut down and everything. So it sounds like that whole month was filled with, uh, you hate to say anniversary dates, like, yeah, let's go celebrate, but just, you know, days we're not going to forget. You know, I I think to what's going to happen 25 years from now when we look back at this, and I think we're going to look back at like a war or, you know, sadly 9-11, and we're going to remember these days, not in celebration, but, you know, for history's sake, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely, yeah. I remember the big thing last year that kind of, got everyone's attention, I think, with COVID in Ohio, at least, was the Arnold. Uh, yeah. With them not having any spectators in person. The events continued, yeah. but there were there were no fans in the in the stadium. Well, and I remember, oh, man. And, and again, I'm not ripping the Blue Jackets. I think they just didn't know. Like, none of us knew at the time. But I remember at, just about that time with the Arnold, like, the Blue Jackets had a big hockey game coming up. And they were like, hey, maybe we should still have it. Because, again, we didn't know. This is when COVID was starting. We knew it was serious, but we didn't know exactly the breadth of it. And, I, and there was some talk about, are the Blue Jackets still going to hold the game and have all the fans come in? So, yeah, it, it definitely it was a weird time. And I think it's going to be interesting to look back on. I, I like history. I'm doing a lot of galleries at the dispatch now. And, I'm, uh, you know, I, I think I'm getting old, Megan. I think it's because I – 
you know, when you're 20, you don't want to think about history. You're like, ah, who cares? But now I'm 45. I'm like, oh, man, I want to do more history guys. But, no, history is fascinating. I think it's going to be interesting to look back at this. And it's good that we're looking back even a year out just mm-hmm. to say what happened, what we learned. And um, I don't know. I'm, I'm afraid we're going to still have a second anniversary of COVID and we're still going to be facing some of these. But it's good that we kind of learn from the past and hopefully apply it for good stuff in the future. So mm-hmm. Definitely. very good. Well, anything else education-wise? I mean, like I said, we we got to have you and Alyssa on because you're our, our big education team. But anything else education-wise we should look forward to? Um, That's a good question. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying oh, to think. Oh, okay. Um, with Columbus City Schools recently announcing that they're bringing back grades 6 through 12, the older grades. So we're going to do some stories about that and be covering covering that as they bring the older uh, grades back into a hybrid model. So be on the lookout for those stories as well. Sounds great. And follow the dispatch. I mean, not just Alyssa and Megan and Sheridan, but the State House reporters. I mean, we've had some conversations about, man, there's a lot of education issues. I'm sure you guys can be covering. Uh, you look at redistricting. Well, not redistricting, but just with the financial aspect mm-hmm. of how the schools are funded. And there's some other school issues coming up. I look at broadband with the wine. I know broadband isn't necessarily an educational issue, but you know, broadband definitely becomes an educational issue with the pandemic. And I think there's some things you're gonna want to do too. So man, you guys got a lot to write about. So Right. It all intersects. <laughs> What's that? I didn't catch all this part. It all intersects, all those things. Yes, definitely. The definitely. Broadband, everything. Well, and I think as we continue to ease out of COVID, and my my guess is we're still months away from really getting some sense of what normal may or may not be. Um, I think there's going to be a lot we're going to learn um, that we're going to understand about, hey, this is affecting this part of the economy that we haven't had, even had time to think about right now. Mm-hmm. That a couple months from now, you know, yeah, it's great. Maybe we're a little bit more healthier, which would be great. I'm looking forward to it. But I think there's going to be lingering effects. I hate to say that. I hate to be a Debbie Downer here on a Monday morning, but I, I, I think there's going to be a lot we're going to learn. And hopefully, yeah, I, look, I think back to what Amy Ackman said, and hopefully we can learn some good things too. So it should be good. All right. Well, Megan, thank you so much. As always, I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for checking out the Ohioan. Have a great one. All right. Thanks as always.